Welcome to the Gray Faction Podcast, where we fight pseudoscience and satanic panic in the mental health field. This is campaign director Evan Anderson, just me today. I wanted to put out a brief episode with an update on the campaign as we're nearing the end of the first month of 2023. I should acknowledge, though, that it's been well over a year since the previous episode of the podcast. Many have asked about the podcast over the months, and I'm really delighted that so many are interested in keeping up on it. I apologize for the pause in the podcast, but it's for good reason. The last episode you heard was meant to be the first of several covering the history of the ISSTD. In case you're not familiar with the ISSTD, I suggest you go back and listen to the first episode of the podcast for an introduction to Gray Faction. As we started to summarize the history of the ISSTD, we quickly realized just how much we didn't know. It's not that anything in the previous episode was necessarily incorrect, but there was so much missing. And if we're going to tell the history of the ISSTD, it should be a comprehensive history. We owe it to the victims of conspiracy therapy, the falsely accused, future mental health professionals who want to avoid the mistakes of the past, and the public at large. We all have an interest in a robust mental health care system free from harmful pseudoscience and conspiracy theories. The full story of the ISSTD will be told. More on that in a minute. The campaign was largely quiet during 2022, but there was certainly news to share. In case you missed it, in February 2022, the Social Worker Licensing Board in Arizona moved to revoke the license of Tara Tully. There's a long backstory here, but I'll try to summarize. Tully fled Utah following a plethora of complaints lodged against her due to her egregious mistreatment of DID clients in her care. Among other things, Tully performed exorcisms and quote-unquote demonic curse revocations on clients. In one instance, this upset a client so much that they began stabbing themselves in the throat with a toothpick to quote, get the demons out. Tully also pulled out a gun during a therapy session and started waving it around. There's a whole bunch more, but that's the gist of it. If memory serves, these complaints erupted in Utah in 2019 and at some point Tully fled to Arizona and successfully obtained a social work license there. As we've talked about before, this is a huge problem. It's very common for bad therapists to flee the state and set up shop elsewhere. Tully almost got away with it. The Utah Licensing Board, where the complaints were filed, investigated the complaints and found them to be credible, but instead of officially revoking her license, they opted to deny her license renewal application. Since this was not a disciplinary action, the Utah board wasn't required to inform the Arizona board. We obtained the denial letter in a FOIA request sent to the Utah board, and that's how we learned about everything that had happened. We filed a FOIA request with the Arizona board to see what they knew, and we learned that they had no idea what had happened in Utah. So we filed a complaint with the Arizona board, which included the documents obtained from the Utah board. It also included references to statements Tully made, such as in podcasts and blog posts, promoting extreme conspiracy theories of satanic ritual abuse. One of those statements was a claim that Tully herself was a victim of satanic ritual abuse and that the supposed cult branded her uterus with Luciferian symbols. The complaint was filed in April of 2021. A number of months went by with total silence, completely expected as these investigations take a long time. Then I received a notice in the mail about a hearing on the complaint set to take place in the fall, probably October. I was going to be given the opportunity to deliver a statement, either in person or remotely over the phone. I had planned to call in. Then I received a letter stating the hearing would be pushed back to November. A few weeks went by and I received another. Now it would be December, then January, 
then February. But the February date stuck. Some of you probably recall what else took place in February 2022 and where. SatanCon in Scottsdale, Arizona. In fact, this hearing was scheduled for the morning of the first day of SatanCon in Phoenix, a short drive from Scottsdale. I showed up and waited a couple hours while the board addressed other matters and complaints. When it was time for our complaint, a member of the board provided a summary of the investigation, revealing that Tully had made a misrepresentation on her original Arizona application by failing to report the complaints against her in Utah. Members. So at this time, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump around a little bit on the analysis because I really want to talk first and, and foremost in regards to the biggest issue that our board has in regards to the conduct that has occurred, um, and that would be in, in, in the basis of the misrepresentation piece, and that's ARS 32-3251-16-CI, making any oral or written misrepresentation of a fact to secure or attempt to secure the issuance or renewal of a license. This recommendation is based on the following. On 7-15-19, licensee submitted an initial application with the board for her LCSW licensure in the state of Arizona, the endorsement based on her LCSW license in Utah. Licensee made a material misrepresentation when answering no to the following background question. Other than complaints filed by this board, have you ever been or are you currently the subject of any complaint, investigation, or disciplinary action against your license? certificate, registration, or membership by any state regulatory board, any professional or occupational credentialing authority, or any professional association in Arizona or any other state. If so, please provide copies of the complaint and all final actions. Specifically, licensee did not disclose the complaints that led to the denial of her Utah renewal application. Based on a 4-18-19 email from licensee to DOPL, licensee was aware of the Utah complaint at least three months prior to submitting her application to our board. Then it was time to deliver my statement. There's an audio recording of my statement, but the microphone wasn't working very well, so I'm just going to restate it here. Thank you to the board for allowing me to make a statement here today. The reason I filed my complaint against Ms. Tully is because I believe, unfortunately, that she has caused significant damage to former clients and may inflict additional harm on her current and future clients. I do not believe Ms. Tully is doing these things intentionally. I believe she feels she is solving problems and improving lives. Instead, I believe Ms. Tully is not mentally fit for practice. According to the Utah Licensing Board, Ms. Tully engaged in habitual and routine violations of social worker ethics. She had dual relationships with clients. She performed what are essentially exorcisms on clients in order to quote-unquote relieve them of Masonic curses. She smoked marijuana with clients prior to therapy sessions. In at least one instance, she pulled out a gun during a therapy session and began waving it around, no doubt petrifying her client. Perhaps most disturbing, Ms. Tully's therapeutic practices led to a client stabbing themselves in the throat. Again, this is according to the Utah Social Work Board, not me. Reviewing the evidence for all of this, the Utah Social Work Board denied Ms. Tully's license renewal application, stating, Your pattern of using demon and chant revocations with an extremely vulnerable DID patient group shows a genuine lack of judgment and awareness on your part that supports the conclusion that the best interests of the public are not served by renewing your license as an LCSW in the state of Utah. This reckless and dangerous form of therapy, which is not based on recognized knowledge relevant to social work, created confusion, anxiety, and fear in a number of your clients. 
In one especially alarming case, one of your patients started stabbing her throat because she believed she had demons in her throat after going through demon revocation sessions with you. Elsewhere, Miss Tully has promoted the conspiracy theory of satanic ritual abuse. She claims that there are multi-generational satanic cults that routinely engage in bizarre forms of abuse and mind control in order to gain absolute power over their victims. In fact, Miss Tully herself has claimed to be a victim of such a cult, going so far as to state that the cult branded her uterus with satanic symbols. In Utah, Miss Tully ran group therapy sessions. 80% of participants, according to her, were victims of ritual abuse and mind control. I understand the gravity of revoking a social worker's license. It's not something to take lightly. Social workers do incredibly important work, and there aren't enough of them as it is. But taking together Miss Tully's past actions, her expressed beliefs in QAnon-like conspiracy theories, as well as her own compromised mental state, I regretfully feel that Ms. Tully is not able to abide by the social worker code of ethics, no matter how badly she may wish to. In conclusion, I agree with the Utah Social Worker Board. The best interests of the public are not served by Ms. Tully maintaining licensure. Not in Utah, not in Arizona, not anywhere. Thank you for your time. So that was the end of my statement. And following my statement, a member of the board introduced a motion to officially recognize that Tully violated the laws that social workers must follow. The motion passed. I'll, I'll first just say lots of concerning information um, built into the, in the investigation. Um, but my focus, my focus in conversing with you all is more on the misrepresentation on the license, because I feel that if we had, if if the application had been filled out and attested to appropriately, we would have gone through our processes. And if we had had the opportunity, um, well, as, as Ms. Stark kind of relayed, if there was nothing behind the complaint, we would have seen that and we could have made a you know, decision appropriately so at that time. So Ms. Kramer, I very much appreciate your question and um, I'm, I'm um, following up with, it doesn't matter what the outcome of that would have been for me, um, the idea that um, the decision was made to not answer that appropriately based on an interpretation I feel is inappropriate based on um, the spirit behind an endorsement for, for a license. So, um, and I would just add to that that you are so, you are at this point aware of a complaint to the point where you've Absolutely. hired an attorney and met with them in person, then you are clearly aware that something is pending against you. Right. Yeah, and I'll just clarify. I, I mean, I asked the question because we have in the past used that sort of as a mitigating factor. I don't. I, I it strains reason to to think that any attorney would recommend answering no to that question. So I just wanted to be clear. They've had an opportunity to get us information. I, I don't see that as any basis to mitigate in this case. I'm in full agreement as well. Uh, based on that, I, I I did find. I mean, just sticking with that. Those facts, I did find for the violations um, of impaired judgment, um, ARS 3232-5116L, um, in engaging in conduct practice or condition that impairs the ability of a licensee to safely and confidently practice. And I just wanted to verbally add, due to also thinking it was okay to mark no on the application. So re in addition to all of the facts there, and I'm not necessarily speaking to those, that reigns really high for me that that was an impaired judgment to um, grossly misattest to, to a practice that we hold for, for endorsement. Um, additionally, I would find that we're in favor of um, finding the violation of ARS 32325116CI renewal application misrepresentation. 
Is there a second? I just have a clarifying question real quick, which is um, the L violation, just so that we're, the record's perfectly clear, is that, are we um, moving that based on the misrepresentation alone? I think that's that. That it's yeah. my, my comments this morning yeah. is based on that. Okay. Yeah, I think it's it's gross enough to I agree just enough if you can't be transparent with the board you're requesting a license from. Correct. I would second the motion then. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. Immediately after, a board member proposed the motion to revoke Tully's license. That motion also passed unanimously. Um, I am proposing that we revoke the license. I do not think that this license is granted, again, under the spirit of an endorsement that we would endorse a license based on being misrepresenting on the application and, and not giving the board um, ample opportunity to make a decision based on her practice history. So um, I move that we actually just revoke the license. Second, Kramer. Ms. Zavala, do you want to speak to that motion? If we, if we could, um, I don't know if you still have discussion, but if you... Um, if you could form your motion as to offer consent agreement for the voluntary surrender of her license and if not signed, remand to a formal hearing. Um, again, as a reminder, a, sur a voluntary surrender would still be considered a revocation. Better language. Thank you. So moved. Second. Roll call, please. Kimberly Bailey. Aye. Mary Coonrod. Aye. Cedric Davis. Aye. Patricia Dobratz. Aye. Lynette Hennigan. Aye. Megan Kramer. Aye. Mark Shen. Aye. Antoine Trotter. Aye. Motion carries. Um, thank you, Ms. Um, Bagsgaard, for being present. Uh, Ms. Tully and Ms. Stark, thank you. Mr. Anderson, thank you for being here. Uh, this will conclude this matter. With that, the portion of the hearing dedicated to our complaint was closed. Tully's license was not immediately revoked. These things take time. Her license remained active, as indicated on the board's website, until July 2022, when her license was officially revoked. Speaking personally, my immediate reaction was surprise and relief. If you've been following Gray Faction's work over the years, you know that our complaints are almost never taken seriously by licensing boards. Instead of protecting the public, they almost always side with the licensee, even in cases of documented, provable misconduct. I had lost nearly all confidence I had in licensing boards, so I was not at all sure that they would revoke Tully's license, and I definitely didn't expect them to do it right then and there at the public meeting. I was immensely relieved that Tully's unfortunate tendency to harm her own clients with a stamp of approval in the form of state licensure was coming to an end. But I didn't feel like celebrating. When the initial emotions wore off, I felt like I had taken someone's means of earning a living. I felt a little guilty. And then I felt resentful. Why didn't the Utah board do the right thing and formally discipline Tully? In fact, they botched things so bad that a judge overturned their decision to deny Tully's license renewal, and her license in Utah currently just says expired. Why was it up to us, a group of volunteers who found out about Tully because she's a member of the ISSTD, to file records requests and share information between state licensing boards that should have already been in communication? In fact, a horrified member of the Utah board found out from our website that Tully had obtained a license in Arizona. We should have never had to get involved. It should have ended when victims bravely came forward at significant personal cost and told the Utah Licensing Board what Tully had been doing. Instead, she was able to continue practicing for years. Anyway, I don't know where Tully is now 
or how she's making a living, but I hope she's doing okay and no longer hurting people. I hope she's receiving the evidence-based, non-pseudoscientific, non-conspiratorial mental health care she clearly needs. This was the first time a Grey Faction complaint directly led a conspiracy therapist to lose their license. It will not be the last. So what else happened in 2022? Unfortunately, there was some sad news. I don't know how much I want to say about it at the moment, but we lost a member of the Retractor community. David Byers, who suffered from false memories of abuse that came up during therapy, passed away just after his 27th birthday. We are all very lucky to have known David, one of the nicest people I've ever met. He entered therapy needing help, but he ended up far more broken than ever before. His story is tragic and heartbreaking, but David was adamant that his story be told. And it will be. That's all I'll say for now. There's more to come on that. Okay, back to the ISSTD history thing. We spent a substantial portion of 2022 filling in the gaps in our knowledge about the ISSTD's origins in early years. We poured over conference proceedings from the American Psychiatric Association going back to the late 70s. We scrutinized ISSTD conference proceedings from the very first in 1984 all the way through 2022. We looked for references to the ISSTD in myriad books on satanic panic and recovered memories. We read journal articles published in the ISSTD's journal, watched training videos featuring ISSTD members, rewatched some classic Satanic Panic era television specials, checked out every page on the ISSTD's websites archived on the Wayback Machine, and more. And then we wrote up our findings. You may have noticed that a couple of the conspiracy therapist bios available on our website are now in a nice wiki format, a pretty remarkable upgrade from the old style we've been using. The ISSTD history, which is currently 12,000 words long, will be published as a foundational page of the wiki. That will coincide with the publication of a couple other pages, marking the official launch of the wiki. My hope is to have all this done in early February, so keep an eye out for that. I also want the history to be available in the form of a podcast. The main drawback is that you can't really update a podcast episode the way you can a page on a website. So for the most up-to-date information, you'll have to be sure to check out the wiki, which will be complete with literally hundreds of references, page numbers, direct links to sources wherever permissible, and raw documents. All things you can't really get from audio. But I still do see the benefit in recording a podcast version, so I'll be doing that soon, probably shortly after the page is published. In order to avoid confusion and redundancy, the previous podcast episode with the first installment of the ISSTD history will be removed when the new one goes up. So if you haven't listened to that one yet and would like to, you should do so before the end of January. 2023 is shaping up to be a great year for Grey Faction. There's so much happening, a lot that I can't tell you about yet. We'll have a booth at SatanCon in April, and we look forward to seeing some of you there. Please take care of yourselves, and as always, hail Satan.